welcome to Dr. M's Women and Children First podcast. I am your host, Dr. M, and this is podcast number 21. Today, I'm going to diverge from my normal guest list of specialists and experts in the space of women and children's health to go down the road less traveled regarding men's health. My guest today is Traver Boehm. He's a man on a mission to look at men, masculinity, and what society deems men to be from a different lens. After going on his own journey to find what he believes to be the essence of what men should be, he came to a conclusion that men should be a combination of their primal instincts and a connection to also their divine instincts, which we all have, but to some extent, men suppress. He is trying to help men understand that there is a connection between the head and the heart, the spiritual and the physical, the emotional, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. And his mission is to get this information out to the rest of the world especially men in this country, so that they can make better decisions about who they want to be, whether that's unapologetically and authentically their male self, whatever that means. And we're going to get into that in this discussion. And for the women that generally listen to this podcast, this is going to be a podcast to remember from the perspective of how do you want to see your husband show up for you? How do you want to see men, your sons, show up in society in general? What do we want our young men and our grown men to think of? What is true masculinity? What should it look like? You know, how does our culture currently define men in a civilized form? And what should that really look for, as Traver will say, uncivilized? You know, why should we engage with our partners and our children physically and emotionally in a better way. What does that really mean? And then ultimately, are we, by doing these things and understanding the realities of what men should be in a new paradigm, going to have a downstream effect that then leads to a better generation of men in our society? A society of young men being born into the world today that will be more in touch with their feelings and prepared to handle life stresses, whatever they may be. Whether the stress comes from the frontline jobs of the military, the police, physicians, or what have you, or where the stress comes from home, or where the stress comes from any other locale, how do you want your man to show up, your child to show up? How do we want everyone to see and deal with their stress in a way that's relational and functional? as opposed to a lot of the current archetype of man, which is the primal, hardworking, get-it-done reality, but feelings are suppressed, buried, not understood, not dealt with, which then turns into actions and behaviors that are unbeneficial to the person and society in general, whether that's through alcoholism, drug addiction, or the like. Ultimately, we need to look at what all of this means in the context of modern society. Traver comes uniquely set to deliver this information for us and to us because he 
has fallen down and done the work to figure out what is on the other end of being in a tough situation and struggling with your own masculinity, your own dysfunctions within the framework of marriage and job and work and everything. He did the work digging deep to see what it could look like if we were in a different state, if you are in touch with your feelings, if you are able to be present moment for your wife or your significant other, or how do you show up at work? All the things that his book discusses and his work espouses are encapsulated in this podcast. And I am grateful for his hour and his time and frankly, many of the things you're going to learn. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Traver Bone. Here we go. Hello, Traver. It's a pleasure to see you again. Um, I have a lot to say, but I'm going to say little because it is not my time to speak. Today is your time to speak and share unbelievable wisdom with the world. And before we get started, I want you to do your, your work quickly with us to, to ground everyone that's listening. Mm. I don't do this very often, but I really need to start doing this. Can you ground us all? Yeah, 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 yeah. So in, unless you're driving uh, or operating heavy machinery, please let's just take a breath together. And if you're sitting feet flat on the floor, let your shoulders drop and just take a breath. And for, perhaps for many of you or many of us, let's drop out of our heads and into our bodies. And just start to notice the rise and fall of your stomach. The beating of your heart. See if you can put your attention down where your feet meet the floor. If you're wearing socks, if you can feel where they touch your skin. Feel where your sit bones meet the chair or the cushion or whatever you're sitting on. And for a moment, just recognize that you're safe, that you're still, that you're connected to something bigger than you are, and that you belong. And hold that just for one more breath. And let's take that breath together. So we'll breathe in. And then slowly blow it out. And then gently blink your eyes open. And welcome. Thanks for having me on, brother. I appreciate you. I'm so grateful to have you. And I'm so excited to get this going. So for all the folks listening, this is going to be one of the best hours you'll ever get to listen to. And I know I'm going to say that in the preamble, but I'm going to say it here. So Traver, I want to start with this. You once said pain is the greatest leader that we're afraid to follow. Mm-hmm. I, I found that statement really powerful because it's very in line with something I tell patients all the time. Pain is the one of the greatest teachers in medicine and health that we don't listen to. Mm-hmm. We avoid, we discount, we numb our pain in all of its forms, especially men in society. But even now we're teaching our kids this. Mm-hmm. So knowing all of this, I want to look at your work through the lens of the wife, mm-hmm. child, and the family. So let's unpack your story. What got you started down this journey with Man Uncivilized? Mm-hmm. Like so many men, Chris, my story started with loss. 
right? I was the dude who was kind of on the standard American success track. Uh, I had a business that was thriving. I lived in Santa Barbara, California, which is a gorgeous place. I was married to the woman of my dreams. I had a kid on the, our first kid on the way. <clears throat> and in very short order, uh, we lost the pregnancy, which led to the end of the marriage, which led to my business partnership falling apart for separate reasons, let's say, or coming apart for separate reasons. And so I had been very unconscious on that path. It just was, I was, I felt like I was, this was what was expected of me, right? I went to college, I did the things, I checked the boxes. And when it all fell away, uh, I was left in a very hard place. And I, and I don't want to underemphasize that, but I was at rock bottom for the first time in my life. And rock bottom is a, a, an awful place to be, but it's a really an opportunistic place to be. And when I landed there, suddenly the pain of my life was too big to out drink, to out smoke, to out have sex, out jerk off, out work, out exercise, out run, out, out all the things that I had done up until that point. And I had done those things up until that point, most, most likely because that is what I'd been taught or that was what I saw modeled. I just didn't know. Like I, in hindsight, I remember when I got hit in the face with this idea of, wait a minute, what if there's information in here? What if this is actually a corrective experience. This pain is corrective. This pain is pointing out the parts of my life that were going against nature or were going against my nature. And so I had to spend time down there. I had to sit in the, the muck and the shit and, and go, okay, how am I responsible for my life getting here? Right. Cause the asterisk to that story of like, I was this, the successful American guy was, I also had a really healthy pot smoking challenge. Let's call it. I drank a fair amount, not, not, I wasn't an alcoholic. I wasn't drunk, but like, you know, I come home four nights a week and crack a beer. I, as a dude, I had a really healthy relationship with porn or let's call it an unhealthy relationship with porn. I had an unhealthy relationship with exercise. I didn't sleep. Uh, I was in it, from a mile away or a mile above. I was a mess. But yet, if you looked at my outside world, Chris, of, oh, wow, successful business, beautiful wife, right? In great shape, like what could be wrong? And I even remember answering the question of my, my ex-wife, God bless her, asking me a couple of times, are you okay? Because she lived in the same house with me. Right. And I'd say, and I'd literally say like, who the hell are you to ask me that? Look at the results I'm getting. Right. What she could feel what was going on was inside of me and also could feel like she knew my habits. She knew my patterns. She knew how shut down I was. So to answer your question, like at that point, I started to have to ask, or I had to ask two very distinct questions. Who the hell am I? I'm about to turn 40. I'm now divorced. I'm now not a father. I'm now not the owner of this business, which those were my identities. So who am I without these things, without these pieces? But then what was an even more interesting question was who am I as a man? And that, that, thing, Chris, that idea had never even entered my consciousness. It just was like, it was 50 miles away. I wouldn't even considered it. I knew I was asking like, who was I as an athlete? Who am I as a writer? Who am I as a, this? Like those things were there, but who am I as a man wasn't. And so I dove down this deep path of, of reading, of workshops, of listening, of listening to podcasts, of finding speakers, of finding teachers, 
like your classic hero's journey. I had to go on the path of figuring this stuff all out. And all along the way, I could look to pain as an indicator of, okay, there's more work to do. There's more information here. There's more insight that needs to be gleaned. And I say that there was a point when that needed to not be my primary teacher. So I don't want to also sit here and advocate that, cool, if everything's going great in your life, like go run out in the street and get hit by a car because you're missing information. (laughs) (laughs) Especially for us men, right? I was, I never had it modeled that pain was a thing or emotion was a thing or consciousness was a thing. What was modeled to me is you show up, you do your work, you come home and you shut down. And so it seemed completely normal to me. And so when I was asked in relationship or I felt in relationship, Hey, this doesn't feel good at work. Hey, this doesn't feel good sitting by myself. Hey, what I'm doing doesn't feel good. That was ignored purposefully. It was like, that's not, that's not the right information. The right information is how do I keep doing what I'm doing without feeling what I'm feeling? That was the old question, which led to addiction, which led to challenge, which led to relationships that were completely surface level. It led to a lack of connection. And, you know, we talked a little bit before hopping on, it completely had me ignore all of the trauma of my life. And I'm not going to raise my hand and say I had the big T traumas. I didn't, I, but I had enough of the little T traumas of one growing up in a, a house with some shut down adults and some traumatized adults to two, just being human, right? The little things that I collected along the way that added up to a big T trauma. And so at that stage in my life, I had to look at this stuff. And when I did, I was also on a path of, I was, my writing career was just taking off. And so I was blogging of this whole journey. And fascinatingly enough, men started reaching out to me. Of course, there were women reaching out, like, oh my God, this is what we want for our men. Why? But men actually reached out. And it's like, hey man, this thing that you just said is kind of weird. You said like pain's a teacher. And I also watched you deadlifting. So I kind of feel like I can relate to you. So I'm going to ask you this question. And so I just started collecting these conversations, Chris, with men from all over the world who were intrigued by an idea that one, there's a specific path that men can walk down that when we do makes our life better in every single way. And two, this idea that pain, emotion, feeling is to be ignored, to be compartmentalized, to be put to the side all the time actually doesn't work for us. So those two were the, the, the starting points, the genesis points of the idea that there's a different way for men to live. And then every, I'll stop and take a breath here. That's when I started taking different ideas and putting them out publicly in a bigger way. Yeah. And so I, I love that for multiple reasons. One, you know, with kids primarily, and, and I think wives as well will notice is that when we shove stuff down. It tends to come back, and I've heard you say this before as well, it comes back at us sideways. It comes mm-hmm. back at us in a way that is completely mm-hmm. unrelational, unintimate, un, un, you know, satisfactory. I, I look at myself before I had found my way out to visit with you guys in Austin that I'm very much in touch with my primal side. I can work myself hard. I can work out hard. I can do all the things that I thought 
were quote unquote, the most important things to be successful in the family unit, not just sure. society. Like I thought sure. this was the family side, right? And this is incredibly em empowering to learn that all of a sudden we see, you know, you talk about two archetypes, Marlboro man and uh, the, the nice guy. And, you know, I'm looking at these things and then you're asking the questions. All right, let's look at the primal light, the primal shadow and the divine light, the mm -hmm. divine show. And you're putting up words, stuff like, holy shit. <laughs> these are things I thought I understood that I didn't. So let's go there a little bit. In your book, you sure. start to talk about, you know, the two main archetypes that we live in in society and how they don't serve us anymore. They are civilized, as you call them. They fit right. within the norms of keeping everyone safe, even though we're not really safe. Right. Talk about that a little. Yeah. So the, the two ideas, when I started looking into men's work, it was really like or looking into answering the question, who am I as a man? I felt like there were two distinct paths that I had to go down. And one was the 1950s Marlboro man. And I'm 46. So this was my dad. This was my grandfather. This was my uncles. This was all the men in my life, which was this stoic, lone wolf, isolated, unemotional, yet very driven man. This man who did the things that society wants him to do, right? He had a paycheck. He had a steady job. He could cut down a tree. He could change a tire. He was actually like quite competent in the world, but he was also very disconnected. He was unrelational. He had no relationship with himself from the neck down. He was afraid of feeling or feeling was viewed as weakness or something to be ashamed of. He had no relationship with his heart and therefore he had very little connection to the feminine, which we can go into it. This is, I don't want to get esoteric. But the idea of the feminine realm being the inner world, the emotional world, this was a guy who was like anything girly, feminine, that's weak. I don't do that. Yeah, sissy that pants. Was, sissy, exactly. Right. This is all the things we got kind of beat up for as 10 and 10 years old, old and, and younger or teenagers. So it's like, fuck, I don't do that. That's I'm not weak. I'm not, a you know, whatever. So that was one archetype. And I saw that and I saw why that was there. Why? I mean, it was needed. Right. My grandfather, I always told this story. My grandfather was in the second wave of Normandy in World War II. And I guarantee you, they didn't stop those boats 100 yards offshore and say, Hey, Bob, how you feeling? Okay. Bob scared everybody. Bob, <laughs> so we're going to turn the boat around, right? Like, Stuart, how are you? Oh, wow. Stuart, you're a little uneasy. No, these guys were puking in the boats and, and knew they were going to their death, but we had, they had to compartmentalize. There was no space for them to feel in society. Now, the other option I felt like I had was this overly, like the pendulum swung too far to the feminine side. There was this like sense of, and I know I'm using an archetype, so please don't quote me on this, but it was the nice guy. It was this sensitive new age poet, long hair, bun, you know, guy who was like way more comfortable with women than he was with men. He actually viewed anything masculine as toxic, as bad, as, as problematic. And if the men are trash, men, it, was, it, was, it was all of this negativity. And so, yes, super connected, super relational, but ruled by his feelings. So this was a guy who didn't have a purpose in life, didn't have a mission. This is a guy who, and again, I don't want to make fun of people or pick on people, but the archetype of the guy at 26 who's still living in his parents' basement, you know, playing video games, smoking pot, like, well... I'm an artist or well, I don't want to impose myself on the world. And I was like, shit, I don't really want to be either of these guys. Right. Right. Like, I don't want to be a Navy SEAL this weekend or be a vegan feminist poet. 
So what if I took the best of both? Like I'm a Bruce Lee fan since I was a kid. And he always said like, takes what, take what's useful, discard what's not. I was like, huh, what if it wasn't binary? What if it wasn't choice A or choice B, but there was a choice C, which was, hey, I want men who are driven. We want men who are purposeful. We want men like you are like, hey, I ha- I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard. I'm going to have goals. I'm going to be driven. I'm going to take care of my job or my, my body. I'm going to be able to penetrate the world with my ideas. Right? I'm going to bring structure and order to chaos. That's what we men do. But yet he also had the ability to feel, to, to feel his partner, to feel his children, to feel himself so that he could feel all of that. He wasn't going to cut himself off from the information that feelings were going to provide for him because that he knew intuitively would make him a better leader, would make him a better father, would make him a better husband, would make him a better, better man, and would actually, here's the juice, make his life better right. like for himself. If he didn't have a wife or kids or just, just for him walking the path, any path, it would make his life better. So I proposed this idea of what if these two archetypes were what the civilized quote world wanted, but the third option was an integration of the primal, an integration of the divine. And I'm not talking about God or Jesus here, but an integration of consciousness. And wouldn't we as men, if given that option, choose it? And wouldn't the women in our lives ask for that as well? And so, Chris, I threw an idea out there four years ago on social media, just like, hey, what if it was both? It's kind of like a flippant thought and my life exploded. My inbox exploded. My email exploded. I got asked to start speaking. I got asked. It was like, holy shit. And and so much of it, yes, in the beginning was women saying, hey, we need this. We don't feel safe around a man who can't feel us. We don't feel safe around a man who we can intuitively feel is raging inside or depressed inside. When we ask that man, how is he? He goes, I'm fine. They know that's not true. And us men, the same, we just suddenly looked up and go, wow, I don't want to be the archetype of my dad and grandfather's age. I don't want to get to 60 and have no per and then like, hey, we don't need you anymore. Or I don't want to not have a relationship with my kids. I don't want to not feel. And so, boom, everything then took off. Does that make sense? I feel like I just rambled a bit. No, it makes complete sense. And I'm just going to throw my color onto it a little bit because please, you know, please, please. I, I come into this whole experience reading your book on the flight out to Austin. And I'm sitting there going, you know, I'm the good guy. I'm trying to do right. I've lived with the same archetype of a father who was from war-torn Poland, came over to this country, worked his tail off, was very good to everybody, but wasn't in touch in that ability emotionally to then shed that to me somewhere on age 11, I think I shut a lot of that down and went into the world of I can achieve and that achievement is why people like me. Therefore, I'm gonna have all this, that and the other. And I think the point that I'm really trying to get to is I've been mentally trying to understand this game for 51 years, thinking I understand it. And then realizing I don't really understand it because I don't feel any of it. I go into medicine, I can pass the tests kids die, which was something that came up big time in Mm -hmm. Austin. And I didn't know how to deal with that. So I shoved it down. Mm -hmm. And then that stuff comes out sideways, like you're saying. And so the archetypes make complete sense and society dictated the archetypes to exist. But your point being very well stated is why? 
Mm-hmm. Why are we sticking with this? It's clearly not working. Society's not better off now than it was, you know, 20 years ago, 50 years ago. I think we're getting worse off. And I think men are a huge part of the blame. And I think to your point, I've heard you say this before, masculinity is not toxic. There are toxic men for sure. There are toxic sure. women. Right. But the masculinity is not the problem. And I think for me, I've even gotten to a point where I'm trying to say, okay, I love skiing at mock speed. You know, I love playing drums loud. You know, yeah. I shouldn't feel ashamed of that part of my life that is asking for that when others will look at me and go, why don't you slow down? Well, that doesn't fit with my ethos. So I don't really want to slow down. So mm-hmm. for, the, for the wives out there, and again, this is part of the reason I really wanted to get you on and talk about this is sure. your husband needs some of this in their life. So go there for you. I know you're a, you're, you know, a fighter. You have all this great, background history and being the archetype of the strong man sure you know how does that fit into relationships chris i look at relationship in as having three buckets there's my bucket there's my partner's bucket and then above that there's the there's the relationship bucket and the relationship bucket is independent but yet connected to the other two i am responsible as a man as a human for making sure my bucket is full. When it gets full, it naturally overflows into the relationship bucket. When it's full, I can then pour into the relationship bucket. That's what keeps the relationship bucket full. It's my responsibility to know the ingredients that I need to put into that bucket so that I'm whole first, right? And for me, some of that's like you. I need some extreme in my life. I need some adrenaline. I need some awe. Now, it took me navigating kind of the spiritual world, which told me, no, 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 no. Everything needs to be peaceful. Everything needs to be calm. Everything needs to be Zen and saying, well, okay, cool. I'll try on your, your, your way for a bit and realizing, man, my bucket's empty. Yeah. My bucket's not very full. So I'm actually falling apart in relationship and therefore I'm not pouring into my relationship bucket. Just like it's that important for my partner to do things that fill her bucket unique individual things to her that may be different from every other woman on the planet that may be completely, they are completely different than my bucket. Now, those things also though, that cat, the asterisk is they have to be healthy. Right. Right. I'm not going to come home and tell my partner, well, the only way I can fill my bucket is smoking crack and sleeping with hookers. Like that's, that's not the way we do this, but I can't say to her, you know what? Uh, I no longer need jujitsu. Because man, that's just not the like most enlightened way to express myself as a person. I don't need overhead waves that I think are going to kill me. I need that as a, I get this, like I understand who I am and and I'm not going to try to shift that. Will that change with age? I'm sure it it will. What I needed in my twenties, a lot different than I need in my forties. But I will say this, Chris, having worked with thousands and thousands and thousands of men at this point, we do need the primal. We do need some of the, hey, I need to get a lot lost alone in the woods. I need to shoot some guns. I need to pick up some heavy shit. Some men, there are other men who say, hey, you know what? I need to get alone in a cabin with a good book. I need to write poetry. I need to make art. I need to dance. So I'm not putting uh, an aggressive spin on this just because that's how I exist. Right. But I think there is something, what, like, what is primal? It is just, it is, what, what would happen what would happen if someone right now came and banged on your office door in a way that was scary as shit? 
There's something in most men that goes, I'm going to go, go to that door and I'm going to meet it. That's most men. Or there's a part of all men who know, okay, like I got to go handle this. I just got chills. So I know we're talking about the right stuff. Yeah. So, so even if it's not that aggression, it's, it's nature. I have to go sit alone. Like yesterday I went for like a six mile walk in the woods. There was nothing aggressive about it. I didn't pick up anything heavy. I didn't try to choke anybody. I didn't shoot anything, but I just listened to the birds. I listened to the river. I watched some guys fish. And that to me was tackling the primal. I'm coming off an illness. So deadlifting and choking people is not the right thing right now. But to deny myself what is my nature is to deny my relationship, authenticity, and truth. And that's exactly where I was going next. You just nailed the segue. Talk about chills. So I'm looking at a bunch of words that I wrote during our week and three of them that just popped out at me, unapologetic, authentic, and safe, mm-hmm. right? So you're talking about this in the perspective of, you know, you may want to do jujitsu. You may want to go walk. You may want to do poetry. Those are unapologetically what you want to do. Mm-hmm. They're authentic because that's who you are and they're safe because they're not harming anyone else towards your well of filling the bucket. And I think that's, the key that we don't talk about enough, all of these things that men want and women want yeah, are, I think those three words sort of encapsulate what I think people should really be saying, you know, it's totally okay. If you want to go draw as your outlet, that's a beautiful thing, but don't say to the guy who wants to do MMA that that's not okay. And I'm certainly not going to look at you and say, you know, your drawing's not okay. That is your unapologetic, authentic, safe way of expressing yourself. Amen. Fill your bucket. And anybody in relationship, I love the last word you use, especially it's safe, right? I know when my partner, and I'll just use her as the example here, when she's doing the things she loves to do in the world, I feel safe with her because I know her buckets being filled right now. Imagine how I would feel, especially like a year two years, you've been married for a number of years. If, if five years ago, your wife came to you and said, I don't do anything I love just because I want to be with you. I think intuitively you and I both would know like, okay, something's not going to work. This is unsustainable. Right. Right. And it would feel weird. Like, wait a minute, you're, you're not doing the things you love because you're with me. That's not how I want to have my relationship. That's not how I want to be in relationship, but somehow culturally we've gotten to the point of, of believing that if you and I want to go out for a walk as men with five other men or hang around a table or even do things that may not be quote as conscious, we want to play cards, right? We want to go out and fish for the day. That's something about that is bad. Something about that is negative. Now I'm not talking about you and I going out and getting plastered tonight and roaming the bars of San Diego. Like that's, that's not the point, but somehow we believe that if we actually do things for our own bucket, especially men that we're being selfish But yet I tell every man, if you consider yourself the leader of the family, then if you go down, brother, the whole family goes down. Just like as a company, as I own my own company, if I go down, everybody who works for me doesn't get paid. The business stops. So it's it's incumbent upon me as the CEO of the company to do jujitsu, but also to like to eat my vegetables, to be honest with my employees, like, hey, here's who I am as a human. Here are my boundaries. Here are my needs. Here are my wants. And I've had this exact conversation with my partner. And guess what? We have to have it periodically because relationships change and we change and say, hey, guess what? I'm not taking care of myself right now. I'm working too much. Or, hey, I noticed that you said your goal was going to be yoga four times a week and you haven't gone in two weeks. 
I want to make sure you're taking care of you so that when we come together, it's two whole healthy people. That's how we actually, who are choosing to be with each other. We're not like, you know what? I'm not doing yoga, so I don't feel good about myself. So I'll try to extract that from the relationship alone. That's when we get into trouble relationally. So many of us men have outsourced our emotional experience or our emotional capacity to our women. Like, Hey, I'm fine. You feel all the things for both of us. It's like, fuck, you just gave her a second job. Yeah. As opposed to saying, Hey, would you mind just listening to me for a second? Work is killing me. Like you, yeah. you've lived through some extraordinary things as a doctor, yeah. right? That's a requirement as a human, not just as a man, but especially as a man. To say, hey, someone needs to listen to me. I need to offload this. I need to off-gas this. Right, Chris? I see so many men walking around like virtually crushed by the weight of their lives. And yet they have people, they actually have people in their lives who say, hey, let me hold some of that for you. And, and they just don't know that that's allowed. Or they think if they do that, something bad's going to happen or they'll be shamed or viewed negatively or weak. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that one, too, because I fall into that bucket, the physician who, you know, doesn't feel holds on. And, you know, and my wife is the exact person you're talking about, somebody who is capable of being there for me. And I took it as a badge of courage that I don't bring anything home. I can hold everything, honey. I've got it. You are the one, you know, so idiotically thinking that I've even told my wife before in the past, I don't need you to help me with that. I'm good. I've got it. And so to your point, always fine, 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 fine. But then deep down inside, feeling the weight of the world. And I recently had a very hard experience. Um, and it happened to follow our Austin trip. You know, I was there, just a phenomenal experience, exhausted when I left for emotionally. Two days later, my father passed away. And I was so wide open after that experience that I felt more in that two week period of time that I've probably felt in 50 years. And my wife was there holding me the whole way. And for the first time, and I can't tell you how long I allowed it. Mm. And it was, it was so powerful for me to not need to hold up the armor of I can hold it all. I'm fine. You know what? I'm falling down here. This is going to freaking suck. And for you guys listening out here on this and the wives, this is, this is what, Man Uncivilized is all about. It's allowing yourself to be unapologetic, authentic, safe, but also sitting there emotionally loving and empathic when you have to be. I mean, this is stuff, Traver, I, I don't know how else to encapsulate it, but other than to let you speak to it, mm -hmm. because my experience is so profound in five short days. I mean, like, yeah. incredible. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sorry about your father. Well, thank you. Truly. Uh, Chris, somehow we've been sold this bill of goods that human things don't happen to us because we have dicks, right? right? I know I speak pretty bluntly, but yeah. that, that's kind of like the male, like what it just, I don't know, like my dad died, but I, that, like, that's completely separate because I'm a dude. Like, I, I don't feel that. But yet from below the neck, we're still having a complete human experience. That's still a big loss. That's a big thing to process. Right. As a doctor, you're, you guys are the top of the food chain, top of the food chain, intellectually, societally, culturally, like that's, that's a big deal. 
And so to be able to actually remind yourself to look in the mirror and say, hey, none of the, the, the MD by my name doesn't have a like in quotes, but isn't going to have a human experience and quotes or parentheses. Right. It's, it's even more so. Right. Because you've been rewarded for being smart. You've been re- rewarded for being intellectual. I think we joke that you didn't show up on the medical boards and they're going to go, OK, show us five emotions in rapid succession. Okay, beautiful. You cried, you laughed, you sneezed, you got frustrated. Here's your degree, right? It was memorize a million things and memorize a million more. Right. And so somehow us men, culturally, it's also we've been indoctrinated into this, Chris, because culturally we have a challenge with us, with us men. We need some of us to be able to compartmentalize. There are tasks that are required heavily of men that require us to shut our emotions off and go get the job done still to this day. Right. Right. I remember when the, uh, they've now changed their view, but the American psychological association put out a report or a thing saying, this is what toxic masculinity is. And it's guys who are stoic guys who are risk takers, guys who can compartmentalize their emotions. And, and one other thing, and within a week, California caught fire. <laughs> Right? There was like fires from start to bottom in California. And what did we do? We sent tens of thousands of mostly men headfirst into that situation. Who were these guys? They were stoic. They were risk takers. They could compartmentalize their emotions. And no one came out. There were no like uh, protests at the front of the fires. Like, no, no, you can't go in. You can't go in. This is what toxic masculinity looks like. Right. It was the opposite. The streets were lined with people saying, thank you for your, thank you, thank you, thank you. Please go fight. Now, so it's culturally, we have this challenge where we need men to be a certain way, but then here's the tale. Here's the follow-up. Here's what my work's doing is saying, Hey, when you come home from that situation, we're going to create a space for you to say, wow, I watched my friend catch fire. I watched my buddy die. I'm hurt. I'm injured. I'm I'm traumatized. I'm scarred from this. I can't drink this away. I can't just pretend that because you guys had a parade for me that I'm no longer human. And I'm not going to experience what humans experience. So as a group, as a society, we're now learning to make some space for men and saying, hey, we need both. Again, when I first started this, it was five years ago, six years ago, in the middle of Me Too. And everything was just like, man, bad. Everything masculine, bad. And now we've gotten to the other side of that and going, huh, actually, we need the pendulum to kind of swing back to the middle. And that's our work as, as your, and your work as a father and a leader in your community to say, Hey, guess what? Some of the old ways, those are really important. And those are still really necessary. And some of these new ways we need, we need some of them, but we, we're not going to take, we're not going to throw mask the, we're not going to throw the masculine bathwater out with, uh, with the toxic baby. We're not going to claim everything about being men is, is toxic because here's here's the the thing that very few people know for the last five years when things were toxic everything was toxic masculinity i had a dm full like an inbox and instagram from women saying i don't want this i don't want this i don't know what's going on and if i speak up i will get shut down i will get shot down right and now we have a critical mass behind that idea of hey we want men we want men healthy we want men open and we also want men strong. And men, right. it's our job now. We're not like 
we as a group, the dudes need to get together and go, hey, we're not doing that well. Suicide rates, let's look at those. Addiction rates, let's look at those. Obesity rates, let's look at those. Disease rates, prison rates, domestic violence, sexual violence, all the things. Let's look at all of the statistics with our logical male brains and go, okay, something about the system is leading to these results. Right. We could sit here and yell and scream about the results, or we can look back at the system and look back at how we are also complicit in it. And, and it starts with together. us doing the work, right? A thousand percent. Think of how many lives will shift simply because you came for a weekend and we're just like, all right, I don't know what these guys are going to do, but I'm going to go with it. And then you yeah. actually did the work that was required. And now you're continuing to do the work. And I'm not just talking about like, wow, Chris has a podcast. So that's how you're getting it out. But you as a father, yeah. you as a businessman, you as a doctor, that's how we shift the tide of masculinity. And let me tell you, that's exactly what happened. Because again, after leaving Austin, I was so aligned with every ounce of what came out of the experience that I told everybody I could within the framework of what I could speak to, because mm -hmm. what happens in Austin stays in Austin as far sure. as what men are going through, because it's a safe experience. But I did everything I could to get this information out there, because as far as I'm concerned, there's 150 million men in some way, shape of their lives who could use this teenagers on up you know, mm -hmm. how much they could gain from just having a basic understanding of, hey, you have a lot more in you that you need to understand and be, like I said, unapologetic, authentic, but safe. You have no right to yell yeah. at your mother if you're a 16 year old boy, you right. don't have that right. And mm -hmm. frankly, if I'm a good father, I'm stepping on you when you do that. There's right. no way in this world we should allow this. And we allow way too much of this. Yeah. And as father, yeah. I'm not a father. Yet I had a guy, I interviewed a guy last week who, who said the most profound sentence. He's got a four-year-old and a two-year-old boy, both of them boys. And he said, yes, I'm raising two men. And I went, holy shit. I didn't even think of, you're right. You're not just raising kids, but you're raising them into the next generation of men. So all along he's, he's putting practices in for them and, and letting them play and be kids and you know all the things that kids are supposed to do, but also guiding them to say, hey, someday you will be in a male, a man's body. Someday you will have a man's urges. Someday you will have a man's drive. Someday you will have a man's shoulders. You will have, you will be a man in the world. And that was, there's a missing piece in, in our generation, right? You and I, and I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not faulting anybody, but there was a lot of men, Chris, who were raised by women who were afraid of men or who hated men. And I'm going to put the asterisks on this sentence a lot of times for good reason. Right. Right. I don't blame them. I don't, I don't, I, I look back at, you know, I was born in the seventies of, of the situation, then what the situation was from what it still is for women and saying, okay, and men need to be in contact with other men. Men need to need to be in relationship with other men. Something happens when a room full of men get together and say, okay, let's leave our egos outside. Let's drop the defenses. Oh, wow. Let's get real. Yeah. Then all the magic that you experienced gets experienced across the board. And then each one of those guys is a flag planted in his community. Just to, he doesn't have to be a preacher, doesn't have to proselytize, but just to go, huh, you're a really unique example. It looks like you're actually feeling your feelings. It looks like you're actually experiencing life. It looks like you're sharing your pain. And 
You're building something. You're creating something. You're holding something. You're doing something with yourself, right? We men learn. This is the this is something very few people get. We learn by modeling. Yeah. Right. I watch you do something. I can do it. I can read book after book after book after book and be like, I don't know. I mean, think of swimming. I could read 50 books on swimming. I'm going to dive in a pool and drown. But if I watch you do it and then I get next to you and do it, which is the old way that men used to do it, right? We would hang out with our dads in the fields or in the factory or wherever it was that we were doing this work. Dad would teach us and we'd watch him and model him. Now, unfortunately, we probably watched and modeled some stuff that wasn't that uh, healthy, but now it's completely cut off, right? And it isn't a blame. I, I hope this comes across. It's not a blame. Right. But my interactions with my dad growing up were from like 6, 7 p.m. on because you came home from work or on Sundays. Yep. yep. Right. And there's a there's a great line in, in Iron John that I may bast- I may screw up a little bit. It's something that modern day we don't get men's teaching. We get men's moods. Right. So dad comes home from work and what is he? he's frustrated, he's annoyed, he's sick of it, he's tired. That's what kids experience when it used to be they had him all day. And yeah. it's just culturally, we can't, we can't just make, okay, cool. It's like, bring your kid to work day every day, but it means we have to spend extra time and attention with our young men. And then for those of us who didn't grow up with it, we have to spend that time intentional time with conscious men, with the men whom we want to be like the men whose lives we do want to model. We isolate and we say, okay, I, you know how I solve this problem. I get alone. And I try to figure it out with my head as opposed to just getting around other healthy, conscious guys. That in itself would shift it. That's a perfect segue again. Um, I think about, you know, again, I'm sort of mirroring my own experiences over time. But when I, when I find myself in a very difficult place, I go hike in the mountains and I disappear for a while. I journal, I just, I sort of fall away. And, and that's my way of recharging, refinding. But most of the time for me, it was always in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to think through the problem, think through what's happening, never feel it. And, and that was always the part for me that was so difficult because I always was like, I'm trying so hard. Why is this not working? Why is this not working? Why is it? And, and I come to realize that the problem is I'm always in my head. I never dropped into my body like we did at the beginning of this, this entire podcast. Drop mm-hmm. into your body, feel, right? And so that's the thing, again, that I really wanted to put forth in this podcast. I knew you were going to push it out there just like you did, because when you don't feel, you're still stuck in this framework that's not functional. So you can think through right. being uncivilized. But that's yeah. half the battle because for, for a point you just made, I want to come back to when my wife wants to go walk in the woods, she has to think of fear. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it before that she's like, oh, I'm, I, I don't know how I could do that. It's not as safe. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But I never really felt that feeling for her. And now if that statement comes again, I immediately go and go, wow, that's got to feel really scary to mm-hmm. have to look over your shoulder when you're walking. It's a, it's a completely different way of seeing the world right. that many of us in our primal lone wolf or whatever we're doing in our lives way don't ever think about nor see then therefore we're not set up to protect people the way right. we should because we don't feel it. Right. So yeah, imagine Chris, if you'd gone through med school 
and all they gave you was cookbooks. And then day one, they're like, cool, here's a pediatric case. You've got this, they're presenting with this, 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 and this pattern. You'd be like, uh, that's what living in our heads is. Right. Right. Great. We can, I can make dinner tonight, but I I'm missing 90% of the information that I need to get through life. We are ill prepared to go through life. If we can't feel we are feeling beings That is how we've navigated the world for tens of thousands, if not millions of years. And then in the last 30 or the last 50 or the last however many, it shifted. And now we've been asked to think. And then now let's look at the last 10 since the iPhone came out or 12. Now it's even more hyper-focused up here. Now, every time we drop into our bodies and go, wow, I still don't feel it. Boop. All I have to do is throw on Instagram or TikTok or, or email or something. And it shoots me back up into my head. And right. now, as, from your point of view, how much sicker are we? Oh. How much more diseased are we? Are we getting better? Like, or does, are, we, are we knocked out heart rate or heart disease? Are we knocked out diabetes? Are we knocked out all of these, these uh, very common social diseases? No, they're getting worse. We knocked out addiction. No, well, what's going on? What if we actually did drop down in our, in our bodies and said, huh, I don't feel right right now. I I feel fear sitting alone in my room. What is that about? I feel angry every time I see a picture. What is that about? That's information that we need. And I'm not telling guys like, stop thinking, right? Like I run a business, I type, I have emails, I have stuff I have to do with my brain. But I I like to think of our brains or especially for, for men, our minds are like chainsaws. Dude, you got to cut down some trees, like get after it. Use the chainsaw, but you want to go hang out with your kids. Chainsaw is not really the appropriate tool for the job. But if all we know is chainsawing, then, then again, we're, we're stuck in this situation. But, and I want to also come back to, you know, you've talked a lot about relationally. A chainsaw is a terrible way to relate to your wife. Right. Right. She wants to feel you feeling her. That is when a woman feels safe. Most guys, when they hear the word safe, they're like, cool, I got a 12 gauge in the corner. We got a $15,000 alarm system. Like she's fine. Not realizing that women especially navigate the world in a feeling sense because they have to, because they are on average, a little bit smaller than we are, a little bit weaker than we are, a little bit more vulnerable than we are. So they have to feel everything everywhere they go. And so if we're up here thinking and they're asking us to feel them, then they're not getting the input back. They're like, wow, this guy gets me. He understands me. I'm safe. And then everything falls apart from there relationally. And so for guys listening to this, what is some, one of our biggest, biggest pain points? Eight out of 10 male suicides come after a breakup or a divorce, right? And, and you and I both know, I mean, relational every everyone on this call knows when your relationships in the shit like your life's in the shit i don't care if you're like hey here's a five million dollar bonus at work and you're fighting with your wife your life is not good you are miserable and we think okay how do i how do i think this how do i change this how do i how do what if i just stopped and felt her what if i just listened what if i shared my what if we actually created connection so we both feel like we belong in the situation. We both, and I want to throw this out here too, Chris, not jumping around that men need to feel safe, right? Like we need to feel safe. 
right? And I'm not talking again, like guns and alarm systems, but in your, in your relationship, in your marriage, you need to feel safe or you will do shit that you don't want to do. Right. You will cover that feeling of safe, um, safety with an extra drink, with a, with a line of Coke, with, with some sex with someone you don't want to have sex with. We do this. We're very, very good at covering the feelings of unsafety specifically with things that cause even more unsafety. Yeah. And I think about, you know, again, from the pediatric perspective, you know, the native native American population was very clear that when a woman was pregnant, she was to be protected at all costs, mentally, emotionally, physically, because the offspring depended upon that safety. And we have lost that completely. So I think again, for me, when I think of who I want to listen to this podcast, I want men to be listening to this going, when my wife is pregnant, I want to be a hundred percent focused on the safety of this environment. And that is to your point, both ways, it's bi-directional, mm -hmm. but to some extent to me, if my wife was a little bit emotional at the moment, cause something happened, I can just hold space for that and not take it personally, which is my MO. I tend to take things too personally when something's not right. I like a copacetic environment. My world needs to be more, Hey, the safety here is me holding space, getting my ego out of the freaking way and letting her be. Right. And that allows then the child to come out after birth with the epigenetic marks that we talk about that, are, that set us up for a, a healthy, viable lifestyle. Right. So I think this has profound, your work has profound downstream effects, not just in the moment. I mean, we're talking generational downstream effects for each kid that is born in a loving, nurturing, you know, bidirectionally safe environment. Yeah. And so I, I think I'm going to segue a little bit sure. here. You know, we touched on what the main thrust of Austin is, you know, that you're doing over there. When you brought in Dewey and Michael Gay, I know you had all this amazing knowledge in your head, but you bring in these two guys. Mm. What was your what was the main <clears throat> thrust behind that? Because they're they're fantastic. And mm. so give everyone understanding of what that brought to the table. Sure. So I had a body of work, right? I had an idea to shift a paradigm and I had some basic training and facilitation of emotional work, but Dewey Freeman is a, he's, he's in his seventies. He's been a therapist since, you know, his mid twenties or mid, you know, early twenties. This guy's been a therapist almost longer than I've been alive. Think of everything that he's seen, right? Think of the body of work that he understands and he knows about relationship about intimacy, about fear, about trauma. And then I brought in Michael Gay, who's just another mystic. Michael has, I, don't, I used to joke, Chris, I joked at the first uh, initiation workshop, that I'm not sure Michael's human, that he had like one foot in the mystical world. He's like part horse, part human. He's got this connection to the, an old way of being, to the way men were thousands of years ago. And so we bring the three of us together and you have my modern view of the way the, the new paradigm, but then how do we get a guy who's fresh off the street to fully express a new paradigm that involves releasing of trauma, releasing of pain, letting go of old wounds? Well, let's bring the best goddamn therapist in the world in and let him go one-on-one -on -one with that man surrounded by a circle of supportive men. And then let's bring Michael in who can also do the exact same work right? Who's equally skilled and equally brilliant at, at 
processing men and processing trauma, but let's him introduce an old way of being, a way that's actually in our bones, a way that's in our DNA, right? Like when Michael brings men out onto the land, it's very like if I walked guys out into a park and we're like, hey, go find a spot, sit and, and see what comes up. I don't have the connection Michael has where he brings it in and says, go listen to the land. Go put your ear to the wind. It's like bringing in a Native American healer, right? Go listen to nature. Go listen to your nature. And so the trifecta of us is, is quite unique. And so I wanted to bring in guys that didn't have my skill set, but were the best in the world at their skill set and thought, okay, if a man comes through and spends four or five days with us, he's going to get introduced to the new paradigm. He's going to get it broken down in ways he's never heard. He's going to get the permission to be unapologetic, undomesticated, and safe. Dewey's going to walk him through all the ways to make connection. So Dewey's just a genius at connection, a genius. I don't use the word lightly. Michael and Dewey together are going to help men release the things that they have buried so deep, they have no idea it even exists, or they may know it exists, and they've piled 40, 50 years of defenses on top of it. Michael and Dewey are going to cut right through that in a nanosecond. Boom, get rid of that stuff for that guy. And then Michael's going to show them a different way, a connection, Chris, a connection to something bigger than themselves, bigger than ourselves. That's why I, I love when he comes in and works. Because if we look at, at biologically, or not even, I'm sorry, like timeline-wise, we spent time on the land. We spent time connected to the land. We spent time connected to our inner beings up until 100. It gets in our DNA. This is, so that combination allows men to have the transformation that you had because it's not one, it's not one singular focus. It's not, hey, read this for the weekend and we're going to talk about it. It's going to be feel this, experience this, and know this so that you can embody it because that's when it becomes real. That's when it's not just theoretical or in your head. It's in your hands. It's in your heart. It's in your stomach. It's in your legs. You're living it now. You can't not live it after an experience like that. That's why I brought those two guys in. And to be honest, it was, it was just an idea. And we sat down after the first one and like one cried for about five minutes. Like, holy shit. I, I didn't know it would work this profoundly. And we had thought, we'll just do one. And then now we're trying to figure out how we do, you know, five, six of these a year, recognizing that uh, three-part partnership that works the way it does is so unique and so powerful. And so how do we maximize it in the time that we have? Yeah, and I, I want to echo the unique and the powerful. Those two words describe perfectly what that triumvirate is. And again, I came in there like you with little T's. I don't have any big T's in my life. I never had any major traumas. I went there to just try and figure out how to become the best husband I could be and be the best man I could be. And I touched in places I didn't know existed because they were buried down so well. And to your point, yourself, Dewey, Michael are guiding us down these roads that they're, you guys aren't even picking what we're choosing to go through. It's what's coming up as we're doing our work. Right. And it is safe, fascinating, mind-blowing, transformational. I don't know what other words we could throw out there, but 
I, I adding in the horses was a whole nother piece, yeah. you know, the mm -hmm. horse therapy, but to all the guys listening to this, to all the wives listening to this, to the mothers, this is the work that every man on this earth, if they do, we will have a better society. And I think with my wife, personally, me, I feel like my, the rest of my life is to continue to do the work so I can show up so that she can live the best life she can within the framework of my authentic, unapologetic male, but safe self. And, and so, you know, when I look at the, the entire perspective of your career so far, as I've looked at it from you hitting what you call rock bottom to searching, to finding, to putting out there vulnerably on the cyberspace, coming back and feed forwarding through what you're learning from others, then now having the nation and this, these retreats and your book. I mean, you know, Traver, you, you know, I always talk about these things. I, you know, when I have conversations with folk, he heaven points and whether heaven or exists or not is within the framework of each person's belief, the spirit sure. world, you know, this work is, 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 is massively beneficial to society, but I think it's even more massively beneficial to you because I've always said when you give, I think you're getting more than you're actually giving by your own healing. And so I know that when I went there to Austin for that five days, I expected X and I had no idea what X was. And I came away with Y exponential you know, why to the fifth. And I had no idea. I'm on the plane journaling going, how does this come to be? And, and so for that, you know, I'm grateful for you, for your work, for you. Dewey, Michael, all the guys who showed up and bared their souls. Um, yeah, just, just incredible, my brother. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate the recognition. I agree that this is not me. I felt from the very beginning that something was coming through me and, and I'm not a classically religious person uh, or it, I've far more of a spiritual person, but I could tell you writing that book, I would go back and read it, you know, or read chapters a month, two months later and have no recollection of writing it. And it sounds so damn cliche, Chris, because I remember hearing that before. I'm like, that ah, doesn't happen to people. And now have just fully surrendered that this thing is coming through. I just happen to be the focal point for it or the vehicle for it. But I can look back over the last four or five years at how much magic there was, how many just side conversations that turned into people being helpers that got us to the next, like over, I could go on and on and on and on and on about all of the weird things that, and, you know, weird in quotes in hindsight that have helped move the needle and get this in front of so many more men, including this conversation, right? Including how we met yeah. all the, all the ways it's like, Holy, Holy smokes. Um, it's just been yeah. a wild, wild ride. A beautiful ride, man. A beautiful, a beautiful ride. ride. I, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, you said once do not surrender except instead with power to me, I think that's what you did. If I look at you from the outside, 30,000 foot view, you accepted your journey with the power to do the work, right? Cause you can't, you can accept the journey and do nothing and get nowhere. You accepted the journey and did it with authenticity and power. And, and I can tell you when I first met you, it's, you know, you meet people who are quote unquote famous, whatever. 
and I've always said famous people are just normal people, but there's also authenticity to the people you meet. And immediately mm-hmm. upon meeting you, you just have this beautiful authenticity. You're just here. You're present. Thank you're you. grounded. You're with us. And, and each person of themselves is just watching to see how you respond in the framework. And, and I think that's also a piece of this because you're so, again, unapologetically male in who you are. You're not having to put on any masks, Traver. Again, and maybe you do randomly at times and I have no idea, but that, that's what I strive for. When I left there, one of the other things I said to myself, other than I'm going to treat my wife like gold like, and, mm-hmm. and, and continue to try and be the best I can be for her is that I don't want to wear any masks, right? Because your authenticity is beautiful, man. And, and I think every guy listening, again, if, 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 if we could all be our authentic best selves, yeah. what a great way to live. Oh, I'll just, you, you nailed it. I agree with you. And wouldn't you want to be in relationship with someone who, just, that's just who they, there is no thinking. This is who I am. This is who I am. Take me or leave me. This is who yeah. my movement is. Take me or leave me. You know, I had a guy that's, that's joined us now, it's a super wild, but fast story. Uh, a guy watched my Ted talk six years ago and emailed me. And at that stage of my life, anybody who messaged me, I just asked to get on the phone with, I was like, Hey, let's get on a phone call. I'm not going to sell you anything. It just, and I chatted with him for a half hour, six years later, he's now bringing a program to us to have a, a sober section of uncivilized, a recovery section for men specifically. And, and, you know, he and I had touched base like once a year for six years, just from that one conversation. And he's now, cause he's putting it out on social media a bit. He's starting to get the same shit I did six years ago from people. And I just said, just, just ignore it and be you. Yeah. You're, you're just clearly like they're allowed to have their opinion. You're allowed to ignore it. Just keep putting the stuff out that you want to put out and you're going to be fine. If you yeah. try to shape shift and switch and like, Oh, I, I, nope, you're, you're going to end up exhausting yourself. And I get it. Yep. That's a journey to walk through, but man, does it make it easier. And, and for guys listening, especially, it just gives you so much more energy at the end of the day. I don't yep. have to keep track of who I am in front of you and then who I am in front of my partner, who I am in front of Dewey and Michael, who in front I am in front of my clients. That sounds terrible. And it sounds, you know, it sounds, Chris, exhausting. It is exhausting. Yep. Right. Exhausting. So what if we got to a point, and I'm not saying this is a box you check. It's not that easy. I had to go through a process as a tiny, tiny little public figure of saying, okay, today was a hard day. Someone didn't like my stuff, right? And then shifting it finally to, okay, people are allowed to hate my stuff. That's fine. That's, that has nothing to do with me. It absolutely has nothing to do with me. Do I have a core circle around me who, if they said, hey, man, you know, your stuff's been a little bit... Uh, different lately that I would look at? Absolutely. Right. I have people in my life for checks and balances, but they also will say, Hey, that doesn't really feel like you. It doesn't really sound like you. Are you trying to please someone? Are you trying to shift? Are you trying to this? So I, first of all, thank you for the recognition. And yeah, guys, it's okay to be who you are and comma. And there's a responsibility that comes with being who you are. It's, it's the yes. And yeah, and I love that responsibility piece. So, Traver, I want to be conscious of your time. Um, where, you know, I, I know where they are, but I want you to tell everybody how they can get a hold of your book, get on sure. your website, learn about the amazing Austin. I know it's in Colorado and different places, but if somebody is inclined to want to go to one of your five-day retreats, what's the whole spiel? 
Beautiful. I personally spend most of my time on Instagram at Traver Bohm, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M. My website is manuncivilized.com. And you can get my book there, Man Uncivilized. You get my first book, Today I Rise. Both of them are also on uh, Amazon. The workshop is manuncivilized.com forward slash initiation dash CO, because this one's in Colorado. But everything's on that site. My podcast is on that site. The Uncivilized Nation, the men's group's on that site. Some online courses for guys. If you just want to dip your toe in the water, it's all there. So manuncivilized.com. Love it. Traver. Thank you, brother. One of the best hours I've spent in a long time on top of one of the best five days I've spent in a long time. <laughs> so for you, I am grateful for your effort, your time, your life, all that you offer this world. I know everybody that is going to listen to this is going to come away with a lot of great information and uh, you know, Hey, everybody listen to Traver, be unapologetic, be authentic, and be safe. Appreciate Thank you, you my friend. I appreciate you too. Well, I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Traver Boehm. He is nothing short of exceptional, energetic, and just a fantastic human. In my mind, somebody I will stay in touch with as long as I can stay on this planet. I am grateful, as you know from hearing within my discussion, that he brought so much to the table for us all to chew on and think about the news to use for men specifically, but women to encourage their men to learn more about how to be in touch with the divine as well as the primal and how to be functional within society. So this is uh, the first podcast in a three-part series, uh, soon to be discussions with Dewey Freeman and Michael Gay coming in hopefully the next five weeks. So stay tuned for those. In short order, I highly encourage you to take a look at uh, the book, Man Uncivilized. Uh, Go to Traver's website as discussed, manuncivilized.com, and really just start to explore what other options are out there for all of us men, young boys, and women to to really tackle a better version of ourselves, right? To have a better society, to have a better life. But frankly, for me, it's just so that I can keep growing and, and, and expanding my journey so that when I leave this planet, me personally, I have done the best that I can with the data that I'm given, whether it is through hardcore science or now going down paths of, you know, feeling. It's all part of the journey. And for me, I'm grateful you all are on this journey with me and Traver and all the other guests that come along to discuss their work and the beauties of trying and giving. So with that, as always, hug those kids. Appreciate every single one of you. Love you all. Have a great day. Now for the disclaimer. The information provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for advice and treatment provided by your physician or healthcare professional. It is not to be used to diagnose or treat a health issue. And it does not constitute the formation of a provider-patient relationship. Have a great day.